Hey, it's Kirsten. Do you feel like you're spending way too much money on supplements? When I started out on my health journey, I was also shocked about how expensive high quality supplements were, especially as I was upping how many I was taking. That's why when I became a practitioner back in 2018, I started offering my clients a way to save up to 25% off many of their supplements through a company called Wellevate, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E. Through Wellevate, you can order many of the supplements that you're already taking, like Pure Encapsulations, Gaia Herbs, Enzymetica, and others at discounts of up to 25% off retail. And shipping is free for orders over $49 within the United States. The only way to buy supplements through Wellevate is through a practitioner, and I will earn a small commission at no additional cost to you while you're saving money. So if you want to start saving upwards of 25% off your supplement bill, go to the resources page on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash resources and go to the Wellevate section. You don't have to be a client, just set up your account and start saving. I'm Kirsten Ramstrom, a certified holistic health coach, and welcome to the Quest for Healing podcast. Whether you're just starting out on your health journey or you're farther down your path, I've created this podcast to inspire and inform your health journey through first, some extraordinary healing stories from real people, second, an exploration of some intriguing healing modalities, and third, through conversations with enterprising people who are making a difference in the health of our world. Welcome to episode 77. I am so excited for today's episode. We're talking about your home, your living space. As you've been digging deeper in your health journey, have you ever wondered about the toxins that are present in your home, in your furniture, in your floors, in your water, or in your air circulation system? I've always had a lot of questions about this, and I'm guessing that you do too. So if that's you, this episode is just for you. Eileen Crispell is returned as my guest this week. She had been on during episode 50 last year where we talked about the emotional and spiritual aspects of a health journey, and that's been one of the most downloaded episodes of Quest for Healing to date. But today she returns to talk about her expertise from another part of her life when she was a green architect. So in this episode, we're going to dive deeply into what you may want to think about or watch out for when buying furniture, floor treatments, or bedding for your home, how to protect yourself from toxins in your home like asbestos or lead paint, and also other foundational aspects of your home that you may want to consider like water, heating, air conditioning, and plumbing. And also we go big picture at the end, which will be helpful if you're considering building your own home or doing significant renovations. Before we launch into the episode, have you followed Quest for Healing on your podcast provider yet? It's easy to just hit that follow button. And once you do, you'll not only be notified when a new episode of Quest for Healing is available, but you'll also have access to the show notes and important links from the episode. So please hit follow now. And with that, let's go right to the episode with Eileen. Eileen, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited to dig into your other background of being a green architect, because I know there's a lot that we can all learn from this. And so I think people have a lot of questions about this, and I think it'll be really helpful as people think about what's going on in their environment, that they may want to continue to change or clean up as the case may be, as they continue on their health journey, or if they're having trouble on their health journey to sort of take out of the mix of potential toxins that they're getting exposed to. So I thank you for being here for this. Yeah, you're very welcome. I rarely get an opportunity to talk about this stuff anymore. And people do reach out to me still about this subject. And I'm always a little surprised <laughs> because it's not my world anymore. So, you know, I may not be up to date on some of the latest and greatest, but there is some fundamental things about being an architect that I still use and think about every day. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to delving into that. I guess one of the places where I'd like to start is just on furnishings and the things we bring into our house in terms of, you know, things that we buy on a semi-frequent basis. And then maybe we can get down into more of the more permanent fixtures in the house. How does that sound? Perfect. Okay, great. So 
in terms of furniture and whatnot? Well, so I'm going to take you to the theoretical part of that. And I'm going to connect you to your body. Because does it matter what we put in our body? Yes. Uh, So I use the house as a metaphor all the time for the body. A house needs a foundation or it can't stand up. A body, we as souls, our bodies need foundation so that we can work. We need, um, we have systems in our body. We have plumbing systems in our houses and our bodies. We have electrical systems in our houses and our bodies. We have heating and cooling systems in our houses and our bodies. And our furniture is our accoutrements, you know, it's our clothes, it's um, what we're, what meal are we choosing today, what mood are we in. So our house can support or not support us in many, many ways. And the fascinating thing about the furniture is that's the part that you interact with and are more aware of. You're really not clear about what's in your walls or how your windows are made. They're important, but you have less awareness about them. You're sitting on your sofa every day. You're eating at your dining room table every day. You're touching it. It wants to feel good (laughs) to you or you won't feel as good. Just like we were talking a few moments ago, when you eat an apple, it's great. If you eat an apple that's been sprayed with poison, it's not going to feel good to you. So is your sofa sprayed with poison? You may not see it. You may not smell it. You may not know it but you will be affected by it. So absolutely everything that we bring into our home, the more consciousness and awareness and knowledge we bring around it, it's going to affect our lives in ways that we maybe not are easily identifiable or quantifiable, but it's there. And so what are the kinds of things that can get sprayed on our furniture that can cause us problems? Well, fire retardants and fungicides, paints, finishes, lots of People have experienced what carpets, new carpets smell like, what new paint smells like. It's, you know, it will over time off gas, but that off gassing is uh, dangerous to us. We understand now from Anthony Williams, medical medium, about fragrances. So, you know, a new home, a new car, (laughs) new furniture, you, you know, it's important to know what you're buying. There are some things that are unavoidable but we know what to do about them. For instance, I remember the last time I put wood floors in my house, I ordered the wood floors and left them outside for three weeks to off gas. They were pre-finished because I couldn't get unfinished. So in a perfect world, I would get unfinished wood and I would use the finishes that I want that are clean and not off gassing. And, but if I can't do that, I'm going to buy the product and I'm going to leave it somewhere to off gas for however long it needs to off gas. And then I'm going to use it. And that sort of begs a question I've heard a lot about off-gassing, especially when it comes to things like carpets and paint, right? Because those are often, not always, things that we can't really leave outside. How long does that usually take? It depends. And you can leave them in a garage. You can put up a little lean-to or a tent. There are ways you can order one of those pods. You know, a lot of people going through construction, if you're just getting a sofa, you may not want to invest in a pod, but there are, you, you have to get creative. And, you know, I first research for the thing that is good, clean, and healthy. Get over the fear that it's going to be more expensive. It may or may not be. And if that matters to you, you know, I, I save for it. <laughs> I plan for it and I save for it because it's that important to me. If it doesn't matter to you, that's a different story. Got it. Interesting. And so in terms of furniture, you mentioned the fire retardants, which I get the sense are probably pretty hard to avoid, correct? Yeah, there's that's some things. That's why I said something you can't avoid because there's laws around them. And then the fungicides, there probably aren't laws around them, but I would assume almost everything has fungicides on it because they don't want them to get bugs and fungus and whatnot when they're shipping them. Or sitting in a warehouse waiting to be shipped, correct. And then the other thing that I wanted to ask about in regards to that is there are so many fabrics and carpets that have stain-resistant coatings. Do you know what's in those? Like, Are those something that's terrible? Some are and some aren't. The latest research on that, I don't know, but there are, I do know there are carpet companies out there that work very hard at being non-toxic. And if you get 100% wool carpet or 
cotton carpet rug, right? Those are less likely to have those things in it. You can get furniture and carpet that isn't scotch guarded, (laughs) but you have to know how to clean it, Mm -hmm. right? It is easy to wipe off a spill from something scotch guarded. So, right, there's just consequences with every choice you make. So if you're going to buy something that's not like that, you're going to want to brush up on your cleaning skills of how to get something, a stain out of your sofa or slip covers so that you can slip them off and wash them, which is actually a really good idea anyway, because you want to be able to wash dander and um, stains and stuff off. So the idea of a slip cover is a really good idea on a piece of furniture. You can go 100% custom. There are still people out there that make beautiful furniture from scratch, and you can ask them to make them from clean ingredients. Wonderful. I love that. And never forget beauty (laughs) because beauty is an element. So people love to talk about what something is made of and how much it costs, but you really want to feel good in your home. And if you don't think it's beautiful, that's a part of it. If you don't love it, it's a part of it. It's worth being picky on that. It is absolutely worth being picky and taking your time. We don't always have that choice, but when you do take your time to get that one thing that's clean and then you love and take really good care of it, there's really just something in that. When it's not a throwaway piece of furniture, you take get a better care of it. You get more of out of it. You feel more connected to it. And then you feel more connected in your own home. We've really gotten used to this throwaway um, society that we have. And there are times when quick and easy is the right answer, but it's not always the right answer. I completely agree with that. And even when I think about the impact that that has on the environment and where all of that throwaway stuff goes and how that all feeds back into the soil, if it can even get in there to grow all of our food, right? It's all. So there's what you've just hit at. One of the fundamentals of green architecture and green living is that it's really better to recondition the old (laughs) than to buy new. Again, it's not always the right choice, but you can't see it. But in front of my desk is a sofa that came out of my in-laws house that is probably, I don't know, 60 or 70 years old. And it's been recovered a couple of times and it's this beautiful little sofa and I will recover it again one time. It's really well built. (laughs) And, you know, rather than going to Ikea and buying something new, I mean, I've done that too, but when we can take something old and beautiful and breathe life into it, there's just something about that, that breathes a little life into our soul. And it's much better for the environment. Absolutely. And you and I had talked about this previously because my car, it's a city car. I had it most of the time I lived in New York city. It doesn't have that many miles on it, but it's 17 years old. It's a 2004 (laughs) Honda Accord and it runs fine. It's a Honda. (laughs) They last forever, which is sort of why I bought it. And the last time I even had it in, they said, there's nothing wrong with your car. You don't need a new car. 17 years. You've only got a hundred thousand miles on it. It's good to go. I have no need to replace it. The bumper's a little messy, but I don't really care. If I go back to New York city, I'm going to park it on the street and it's going to get messy again. That's right. My father always said, if you take care of your car properly, it'll last you a long time, you know, and it's the same thing with the things we bring into our home. If we love them, we'll take better care of them. When we take better care of them, we feel better about them and they last longer. And then we're not such a big part of this sort of throwaway society. It's interesting because when we were talking about the carpets, when we moved into this house a couple of years ago, we got new carpeting for the bedrooms and it was at a point where A, it's not my house, so I don't have full control over everything. But B, last year when I spilled a heavy metal detox smoothie on this nice light beige carpet, I will say I was pretty happy that I was able to uh, wipe that up. I didn't even tell my mom it happened. So hopefully she won't listen. But sometimes I think that with this lifestyle, we we need to be careful too of if this had been a non-stain resistant carpet, I might've had to rip it back out again because it was a mess. So this is why hardwood floors and area rugs are the better choice. They are the greener choice. Carpets tend to hold dust and mites and mold and things like that. And they're hard to, if they do get moist or wet, it's hard to get them dried out in a proper way. 
So ultimately the best thing is hardwood floors and area rugs. You can take area rugs outside. You can shampoo them and with, you know, not the chemical shampoo, you can spray them down. You can shake them out. You can let them sit in the sun, bring them back in, you know, just like they used to in spring cleaning, right? In the olden days. But that's, that's why the greener choice is a hard surface floor with area rugs. I love that. A lot of people actually with chemical sensitivities or mold sensitivities can't live in a carpeted space. Right. I know a lot of people who have trouble if there's been a pet in a house with carpet because it does hold, it holds all the pet dander and whatnot. I don't know if they put them out anymore, but the American Lung Association actually used to put out specifications of what to do when you're building or renovating a home that was good for the lungs. (laughs) But, you know, it was things like this that they would, you can find information, interesting information everywhere about that. Because the the reason, one of the reasons I became a green architect, there's lots of reasons, but what we would attract to ourselves were people who had chemical sensitivities and people who had asthma, who knew that their home mattered. For unfortunate reasons, you know, they needed that to understand how much the environment of their home was linked to their health. But these were the kinds of things that we were working with. So let me ask you another question. One of the things that I have seen more and more of recently online are area rugs that are made of, they seem to be made of synthetic fabrics, whether it's polyester or plastic, essentially, or something else like that. But they do have them where they're machine washable. Yeah, ruggables. That's exactly what I was thinking about, ruggables. And is something like that a good choice? It would seem to me that there might be some off-gassing with the plastic and it, because it's not a natural fiber. But is that a good trade considering you can wash it? Yes, absolutely. So there is no hard and fast line. Oh, I shouldn't say that. There are some. But this is what's most important is to know how you live and to support it. If you've got dogs and toddlers you know, a ruggable is not a bad choice because it's going to help you keep whatever area clean. You can pick it up, throw it in the washer and dryer. It'll off gas. It'll be okay. You don't want to put down a wool carpet worth thousands of dollars in your kitchen with dogs and kids. It's okay to support your life. You just do it in the best way you can. Fantastic. The other piece that I wanted to talk about on furnishings is mattresses. So I'm wondering if you have any insights on that. I actually just bought two mattresses. (laughs) Fantastic. Perfect timing. Okay. So yes, there's a lot of choices out there in mattress. You sleep on it every night. It's extremely important. If you're going to put your money somewhere, put it where you sleep, in particular, your mattress and your sheets. There You have to be, when I did a lot of research, I encourage you to do the research yourself again, because there is no one right choice. Um, We do have to take into account budget and where you live. Again, there are people who custom make mattresses. If you have a lot of money and you want just pure wool and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you can have them custom made. There are very decent mattresses for very good prices that you can get online and have delivered to you. That's what I the avenue I chose. This is when actually we can talk about this when you talk about houses too, because you have to think about every aspect. There's the glues, there's things that they used in processing, making the mattress that might not be in the mattress, but if it was used during the making of the mattress, if you're that sensitive, you'll want to know about it. And what would something like that be? Chemical processes and making the fabric, chemical processes and washing the wool. And what I have found when I recently did my own research is Companies have gotten the picture that consumers, especially a consumer looking for a clean product, is pretty smart. And so there's a lot of information out there. It's not as hard as it used to be. I used to spend a a lot of time and having my employees spend a lot of time calling companies and asking these questions. You don't have to do as much of that anymore because companies have realized people want this information. But do not be afraid to call the company, to contact the company and say, tell me the process that you use in your wool that you put in your mattresses. And if they won't tell you, next. (laughs) Next. You know, I love that you said that the companies are getting smarter because for so many of the things that Medical Medium talks about, where he's talking about how things may be in the future, 
I think, which can freak people out a little bit, right? And I'm not going to get into sort of the details. If you followed him for a while, you'll know what I'm talking about. But what this is telling me is as you get the smarter consumer, and I'd like to think we are all that smarter consumer who are demanding better, cleaner, less toxic, everything, the companies are listening. And it's encouraging, right? They are listening. Here's the only caveat I will give you to that. And it's the same thing. We know this about food. Had a product, a food product I bought from my son for literally years and just realized late recently they put a bad ingredient in it. They changed the recipe. Companies get bought. And uh, I had this happen with some products I used to use, some floor finishes. I recommended it to somebody recently because I'd used it for years. They used it, had a horrible result. And I didn't even look into it. I was like, the company was likely bought. So it's just not the same product as it was 10 years ago. And this is why I say I'm not up on the latest and greatest because I haven't researched this for so long. But that's why even if I told you a product, I want you to go research it. Because last week, the company could have been bought and they've changed the formula and we don't know it. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. The one part of being whatever you want in your home, if you want it to be clean, green and clean is even if you've been recommended something, check it out for yourself. Fantastic. Because it changes fast. And that's why it's a good thing that the companies are, the good companies are getting more honest and open about what they're doing and caring about it. Wonderful. And so in terms of asking the questions to the mattress companies, you were saying, so it's glue, it's the chemicals that they use to process the fabrics. What about the materials that it's actually made of? Are cottons and wools better? I know there are latex mattresses. Mattresses are made of all kinds of different things. So what are some of the better materials that mattresses are made of? Like, What are some of the things we should start by looking for? So for me, I tend towards natural materials, cotton, linen, and wool. To make products durable and to go through certain processes that they need to go through, they're not often pure. So then I just want to know, again, what process are these materials going through? Is their chemicals been involved in any part of the process? And what is the off-gassing information? What is in these chemicals? All of that, it depends on how far you want to dig. All of that information is attainable, right? So they might say we use X product in as a, a fungicide, and they might not have the information, but you can go to the company that makes that product and get what's in their fungicide. You can get my son Sharpied all over my cabinets one day when he found a Sharpie and was not being watched for a few minutes. (laughs) I bet that was fun. Right. So Sharpie will tell you how to get Sharpie out of anything. Oh, that's Um, good to know. Right. (laughs) I called Sharpie and they knew how to get it off and out of everything. And companies know and should know their products. And this, these are not new questions for them. Not everybody asks them. But if there is a fungicide, call the company up and ask them, does it off-gas? Do they have that information? How long does it take? Because we can't avoid everything unless we do have a budget to make everything handmade and whatever. So just get really curious and ask a lot of questions and follow the links until you feel like you're comfortable. And so some of the things to look at are the fungicides, the processing chemicals, finishing chemicals. That's like the scotch guards so that, you know, water drips off of them. Okay. And then would you recommend using something like an allergy cover on a mattress as well to essentially seal it in? Certainly. And again, those can be made, depends on your sensitivities And in fact, the company I just ordered from, they come with a mattress cover on it that was pretty nice. So that again, you're not, things aren't soaking into your mattress. You can pull whatever it is, shake it out, wash it, put it back on. And you're, you're increasing the lifespan of your mattress. Mm -hmm. Cause with my nasal allergies years ago, my doctor had told me to get covers for my pillows and my mattresses because I had an allergy to dust mites. And the rationale was you can get these covers that will basically prevent the dust mites from infiltrating the mattress. And yes, you can wash the cover periodically and whatnot, but it'll keep your mattress essentially healthier. Same with your pillows. 
Right. So, you know, when you open up the bag of those things, you'll smell it or not. <laughs> but again, all those companies should have that information. Do they have products in it that it's a, of a, has a VOC to it? Do they make non-VOC ones? If they do, how long does it generally take to off-gas? You can ask any company all of those questions. And by law, they have to know some of that information. They don't have to know all of it, but you can find out. And that's going to depend a little bit on your sensitivities. And remember that we can't avoid everything and we don't want to live in fear, right? So that's why there isn't a single right choice. If your issue is dust mites, you might have a different cover than if your issue is mold or a different way of processing, you know, what you sleep on. So people keep searching for the one right answer. In this scenario, there's your right answer. Fantastic. And the best way to go about it is to get knowledgeable and drop the fear. Great. I want to stay with the bed for a minute because the other thing you mentioned was bedding. And obviously, you know, pillows and sheets and stuff. I don't know how you sleep. I have my face jammed in a pillow half the night. Clearly I am breathing all of that all night. And that's why this is very close to home for me. Do you have any recommendations about things to consider for that? Well, I would go back. It's funny. Some of these answers are kind of universal. So I tend towards linen, cotton, wool, period, clean, cleanly processed. We can't always do that. So the next step up is what we can do. And, you know, if you wash your linens on a regular basis, you're going to be fine. Think about simplicity, cotton, wool, linen, and the less processing and the less chemicals used in processing, the better. It's, it's really simple. And if you find something that feels good, but you worry that there's a better product out there, stop. You found something that feels good, go for it. Right. You can go down the rabbit hole pretty far. Holy on cow. This. You can go down the rabbit hole for years with this stuff. Yeah. So if you found something that you like and it fits your requirements, just get it. Don't drive yourself crazy going down a lot of other rabbit holes. You know, you just reminded me of something when you said, holy cow. And I'm going to jump back a little bit in our conversation. When we were talking about couches and the material for couches, what do you think about leather couches, leather chairs, things like that? So that is, again, there's no clear line in the sand with that. If you are an animal person and it bothers you to sit on leather, don't buy it. Leather is easy to clean. It lasts a long time. For some people, it's okay because right now there's an industry that's creating leather, whether we like it or not. So it's a way to use it. And so I actually do have a leather chair. I kind of honor it. I say thank you to the animal. You know, we can we can bring reverence into anything we do. I didn't want that animal killed. <laughs> I didn't particularly for my sake and for my chair, but there it is. I bought it secondhand and I have a lot of reverence and I take very good care with the chair. So leather is kind of a personal choice, but it is easy to keep clean and it does last a long time. Does it tend to have chemicals and outgas from the treatment of it? it? It's again, same thing. It can be treated in a way that's not so a toxic or it can be treated in a really toxic way. Okay, great. And the next thing I wanted to talk about was paint and VOCs. Can you give us a little education about what volatile organic chemicals are? Because this has been coming up more and more. And I think we could all use a little reminder of exactly what they are. Just think of it like a fragrance. It's just a chemical that off gases, it creates a smell. The ones that are more dangerous are the ones you can't smell, actually. <laughs> you walk in, you smell this thing. And we now know that they are harmful to us, that even though we can't see it, we're smelling something and it's toxic. There are lots and lots of finishes and paints out there that are now available that are low and no VOC. It's much less of an issue than it used to be. You just have to get the right one. Okay. And this is, again, I, I had, you know, spent a lot of time calling paint companies exactly. What are your products? What is the specs on it? What is the, you know, you can go that deep if you want to. You can get all a list of the ingredients. You can go to all the chemo companies that make each ingredient and you can research that deep. We, I've done it, but you don't have to. Just go buy a product that's no VOC. 
There are really good products out there that are no VOC. Have them open up a can and see if you can smell it. (laughs) Perfect. And if you're okay with it, you're okay with it. And, you know, let that room really cure and dry before anybody's sleeping in there or spending much time in there. Fantastic. There are also, there's a company that used to make a product. Um, I'm not going to name the company because it's one of them I think was bought, but I suspect there's still products out there like this and that will seal something. So if you've moved into a house with a product that off gases that you don't like, there are sealants out there that will block the VOC. When I was doing a large project in New York City and people think about abatement, So this building had asbestos in all of the walls. And this was a building with hundreds of people living in it. Abatement of that asbestos, I'm sorry, it was not asbestos, it was lead paint, excuse me. Abatement of all of the walls (laughs) would have taken over a year and and the company that owned the building would have had to have everybody move out and pay for them to live somewhere else for over a year while this project was encapsulated and abated. It's legally and just as safe to cover it up. Lead and asbestos are dangerous when they're agitated and they fly into the air. So literally everything was sealed with a quarter inch of drywall and sealants. And so that the lead became non-accessible. So there's this concept of sealant or covering something up that is not a bad option. People think I got to get it out of my house. There are other ways to deal with things when it's really difficult or expensive to do it, to abate it. That is so good to know. Fantastic. That's so helpful. I wouldn't have thought of that. One of the things you had mentioned at the beginning were some of the systems that are in our houses. And what comes to mind for me is water, heat and air conditioning, plumbing. Do you have any thoughts on those? So let me take you to the envelope of the house. Okay. (laughs) The basic structure of the house. So we have a foundation, we have a framework, and then we have what we call the envelope. That's the stuff we see that makes it pretty. Inside the envelope, we have electrical systems, air systems, and plumbing systems, just to name the major ones, right? It's like a big body. So yes, air systems are really important, but the first step is the, the envelope of the house. Because old houses or older houses have a lot of unperceivable holes in them. So air gets in and out quite readily. Now, in the world of green architecture, the goal is generally to have the house use as little energy as possible. In order to make a house use extremely low energy, it has to be very tightly sealed. When a house becomes tightly sealed, the air system in it is becomes extremely important. So if you are in a newer, tightly sealed house, absolutely you need an air handling system, a heating and cooling system that is making sure that you are getting fresh air intake all the time and taking bad air out all the time. And then there you can go to the next layer. You can put things on your air handling system that is cleaning air as it's coming in. And so again, what you do about your air in your home depends on the envelope of the home, the size of the home, the age of the home, and your level of comfort and safety with the home. There are lots of choices. And this is where you really want an architect. And you want an architect who understands green architecture. A lot of people are really scrappy and smart and they think I can do this myself and I'll save money. I don't recommend it. You, you have no idea the train wreck you are sending yourself on and the amount of work to understand an industry that changes very quickly. Get yourself the support of a really good architect. It will save you money, not cost you money. What are some of the big mistakes people make? They don't know what they don't know. And that's huge. So, you know, I used to have people come to me and say, well, I've drawn up this little sketch. I just want you to draw this for me so I can take it to a builder and have it built. And I would say, no, I'm not going to do it because I would just look at that. And there were so many mistakes on it. I've I had 20 years experience. I had schooling. It's not that they're dumb. They are not dumb. They're incredibly intelligent people, but it's like, I'm going to perform my own surgery because I'm smart. No, go to a doctor, (laughs) go to a surgeon when you have a surgery. It's somebody, an architect is somebody who's been educated in this 
and most importantly, experienced. So they know where it's good and easy to cut corners and save money that won't harm you in the end. And they will take into account things like, is this home serving the way you live your life? This is why I used to have clients say to me, you should be a marriage counselor, (laughs) right? Because they would, husband and wife would have some different idea about what should be done. And I would give them the truth about costs and the truth about, well, did you know we could do this? And I think that might solve both problems. And they would go, oh my God, that's genius, right? They just don't know what they don't know. And I I think it's really important if you're going to do a major renovation, if you're going to build your own house, go with somebody who's got the same values you have, the same goals you have, and has had made all the mistakes so you don't have to. I think people's biggest fear is that it will cost them money to to hire an expert. I, I used to have people come to me all the time that I had to go save them. And it cost them a lot of money that they would not have to have spent if they had just come to an expert in the first place. And in fact, Westchester County in New York, for a while, they were having huge drainage problems and runoff problems because it's overbuilt. And so the town started making zoning regulations, chaining zoning regulations and telling the people they didn't care if it existed. They had to now make their houses match the new zoning regulations. And what happened was there was all of these people who had built illegal additions on their house and now had to tear them down. (laughs) Like you you really don't want to do that. You don't want to build an illegal addition. You There's laws involved in zoning regulations, and you don't want to get in the middle of that kind of stuff. And that was the work I hated <laughs> because I was having to go save people from the law that they were ignorant of. And that's no fun, really no fun. <laughs> and that so that's not everything to do with green, but um, you can get into the same problems If your goal is to have an energy efficient home, a clean home, a home that serves you, it's really better to have some expert advice in all of that. That's so good to know. One of the philosophies we have in our family with some good reason, when we think about doctors and you were making a comparison to doctors, if you need to have a surgery, you want the doctor who has done that surgery a million times or every day or whatever the frequency is, you don't want the doctor where that's the coolest surgery he's going to do this month or this year. And this is the only time he's going to do it. Right. (laughs) You want the person where this is the easiest thing they do all day, not the hardest. Right. Exactly. And in terms of filters, so we, at our house, we have an existing filter for our air conditioning and heating system. And when we go to Home Depot once every few months to buy new filters, they have all these different grades of filters. Is it really just important to get the best, the highest quality filter for that to try to take out as much uh, whatever's in the air that you can? I would always buy the highest quality filter. But again, that's going to depend a little bit on your, your system. Sometimes they're built into the systems. There's ways of treating air with light. I mean, I've worked on hospitals. You want to talk about hundreds of hours of meetings with air handling people, for instance. It's one thing that people don't understand about hospitals and and particular operating rooms. We're talking about surgeons is they create exam rooms and, and hospital surgery rooms are created with a positive air pressure. So no air gets sucked in. And other rooms are created purposely with negative air pressure. So that's where the air goes. So there's a lot you can do with an air handling system. If you are a person with high chemical sensitivities, you're going to want a different air handling system than somebody who doesn't have these sensitivities. So it depends on what, how you're coming at it, what your situation is, the choices in air handling systems. Again, it's why you want the expertise, because there are so many choices out there and you really want to know yourself, your needs find somebody that you can trust who will hear that and help you find what's right for you. That's such a cool example that I never would have thought of. So Eileen, the other thing, and I know people are going to be very interested in this conversation. I want to talk about water in our houses and get your perspective on what we can do with the water that's coming in, since we know that in many cases, it's not fully safe. There's another beautiful can of worms. Okay, so water is a big deal and water is life. It really is. Generally speaking, 
the pipes that are bringing the water into our house, let's just talk about that first, are either copper or plastic. So neither are ideal, but plastic is better. If you have an option to choose, you don't want copper in your water. So I was under the impression, and I read a book on this a couple of years ago, that one of the reasons that they had traditionally used copper for pipes and for door handles and railings and whatnot was because it had antiseptic properties. It had antibacterial properties. And the idea was that you wouldn't carry as many pathogens in there. That is an old thought process. That is old. I can't even tell you if that's really true or not, but I can tell you that we don't want that copper inside our bodies. That is what's getting in our liver and feeding viruses and causing psoriasis and eczema and other issues. Yeah, some people still drink out of copper cups because they believe in the magic of it. That is not good for our health. Stainless steel, the reason prisons have stainless steel sinks and toilets is because they will not grow a germ. Well, that's interesting. But steel, right? We don't want any metal in our bodies. Okay, so most houses have copper pipes. You're not going to avoid it. So you want to, in a perfect world, you either don't drink that water or you have a water cleaning system. You know, you can have a tabletop cleaning system for the water that you drink or cook with. You can get a whole house cleaning system. There's lots of really good ones out there. The whole house cleaning systems, again, you can go to so many different levels. You really want to know, for instance, in my house, there's a lot of iron and sulfur in my water. So I might have a different cleaning system that somebody who was connected to a city water system who might have a lot of chemicals in their system. So you want to buy the right water treatment system for your situation. And I don't drink my water because it goes through a water softener, which means it has a lot of salt in it. So even though the iron's being taken out of it, it's winding up with a lot of salt in it. You want to just get clear about what your needs are and make sure you're getting the right system for you. Whole house water cleaning systems tend to create what I would call dead water. It won't harm you, but it won't hydrate you. So it's great for showering with, it's great for cooking with, but drinking water, you want to have either your re-mineralizing it with your lemon, your squeeze of lemon, or your cucumber slices you're putting in it, or your gathering or purchasing spring water that is safe and clean. Great. That's such a good point that you made on choosing a whole house filter. Because I know in our community, there's a lot of discussion about that. And I think at one point, I don't know if it's still there, Anthony had a recommendation for a reverse osmosis whole house water system on his website. But to your point, where you have a lot of iron in your water, I know one of the biggest challenges we have here is we have a lot of chlorine in our water. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to get a whole system, you want to know what's in your water first. So you make sure you're addressing that. Correct. And what works really well for your high iron. It's not the same system for your chemically ridden water. Yes. Necessarily. There may be a system that covers it all, but that's something you really want to look into. Fantastic. And in the meantime, we are considering doing a whole house solution here. But in the meantime, I have my trusty Berkey set up in the kitchen and water filters on the showers for the times when the chlorine is really bad. And I'll give you a little shaman piece of the water. Water carries energy. Water is really good at picking up energy and carrying it and then gifting it. So if you just think about that with your water, I've had some people, I had one client who wanted her whole house system. She didn't want a single 90 degree turn in any of her pipes because what water hits, it will pick the energy up of and carry it. And she wanted her water to all flow I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Not everybody has the time and money to do something like that. But um, I'm always asking the angels to bless my water. If we're drinking water that isn't great, asking the angels for help with it, right? As we've learned to do. Water carries a lot of beautiful energy. And I like to love my water. (laughs) This is why we travel, you know, every couple of months and we go about an hour away to a spring and we collect about 90 gallons of water and we store it in our lower level because it just, it fills our hearts and makes us happy. People think, oh my gosh, I wouldn't do that. Well, I love doing it. We take a hike, you know, so this is how I've come to really embrace 
the water that goes into my body. I have copper pipes and iron. I'm not going to drink that water. (laughs) And every time I've had to, we don't feel good. So you have to pick the right thing for you. Not everybody can go and collect their spring water, but you can get spring water delivered. You can find good water in the stores. You can have a Berkey system and clean your water and remineralize it. It's just about, you know, loving on your water. (laughs) Do you remember, it's in one of the medical medium books, and I don't remember which one. It would have been an earlier one. So I'm guessing maybe life-changing foods or thyroid healing where Anthony talks about bringing light from the angels into your water. Yep. And he did a couple lives on it. I remember that well. He would say the word light and it was seven times and use his hand to basically pull the light energy down from the angels to infuse it in your water. And I always thought that was so beautiful. And one of those lives, I filled up my bathtub. I filled up my bathtub And while he was doing it, I was infusing that into my bathtub and I took a bath right afterwards because I was like, this is so beautiful. But I also feel like that's one of those little medical medium tidbits that gets forgotten about too, right? You know, we we do, we forget about those things. And that's why it's so great when you learn something like that to really practice it hard for a little while. So it just becomes a habit. You know, I'm always blessing my tea when I make it. I now like I've realized how automatic it it has become. And I feel just this beautiful little burst when I bless my tea. So just taking anything we do, anything we infuse more consciousness and love and compassion into, you can't see it, but you will feel it and it will have a positive effect over time. Beautiful. And in terms of other aspects of the house that I may not have touched on, are there any other things we should be thinking of? So yes, this is the part that people don't think of because they don't interact with it much. Like what's in your walls? What's insulating your walls? How thick is your insulation? What process have all of those building materials gone through? There's lots of glues and caulks and things in your house. Are they no VOC? This is again why, and this in particular, a good green architect and a good green builder. Builders have a tendency to do what they know how to do and want to continue to do what they know how to do. And that's great. But it's like the surgeon. You want the one who's built the greenhouses before because he knows what glues to use. He knows the practices. There are some simple practices that, you know, they become very controversial amongst builders because builder will say, well, I've never had to do that before. But if you're building a greenhouse, they actually want you to caulk every single seam in the house. Every joint between two pieces of anything gets caulked to stop the airflow through to create this tight envelope. Builders didn't used to do that. And so older builders will resent and resist it. (laughs) And newer builders who understand this is how you build this tight envelope so that you are saving energy, get it. This is why having the right architect and the right builder, again, is so important because there's little practices like that. It's like praying over your water. Does this builder know and believe in praying over their water or not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's lots of things that go into your, the envelope of your house is incredibly important. It's like your skin, right? It protects you from the outside world. It keeps you comfortable on the inside world. And if you're too cold in your house, or if it feels too damp, or if it's growing mold, you're not going to have comfortable in your house. And these things are controlled by the envelope of your house, your insulation, your walls, how thick they are, what they're made out of. And those are big, deep rabbit holes. (laughs) And that's called building science. Actually, Um, you can look up building science. Um, There's even an organization where you can look up, they tell you how to build walls in different climates to reach sort of different capacities of insulation and all that kind of stuff. So you want somebody that really is understands building science. And again, it's not that there's one right answer. Are you living in Florida? Are you living in Vermont? Because our walls will be constructed differently based on the environment we're living in. And that's what really drew me into green architecture is because let's talk about sacred geometry for a second. All of these beautiful things that we all still go to Greece, want to go to Greece to see these beautiful buildings, right? They were built with so much consciousness. They were built with local materials. They were built with sacred energy. They were blessed. They were used for intentional purposes. So you walk into that building and you just feel different as a human. And we're all afraid to do that in our own home. We're afraid it's going to cost us money. We're also afraid it's going to cost us money. 
It doesn't have to. Just bring awareness and consciousness into every part of your home. If you're renovating or have the opportunity to build your new home, bring beauty into it. Bring your soul into it. Find an architect who's willing to do that with you. And you will wind up with something that will live on forever. And even if it doesn't, it will hold your soul in such a beautiful way while you're there. And 98% of the buildings are not built with any of that consciousness anymore. Right. So we don't think about it, but this is why we walk into a building and don't feel right, don't feel comfortable. The building was built with no concept of sacred geometry, no concept of clean materials, no concept of the inhabitants and what they were using it for. One of my architecture professors used to say if you have to put an arrow in a building you've designed, you haven't done a good job. The building should take you through it with a natural flow. And that's what drew me to architecture is marrying our homes and our buildings with the environment they're in so that we feel comfortable and beautiful in them. That's so beautiful. Yeah. In my last job, I was a stock analyst, right? I covered a bunch of real estate companies. And this brings to mind a property tour I did one time of some very high-end apartments in a major metropolitan area. And it was not New York City, but I won't say where it was because anybody who knows the area might actually know this building. And we were visiting it because one of my companies was investing in the project, but the person who was doing the building and the person in charge of it were relatively new to the business. And they took us in to see a couple of the units. And one of the units, when you walked into the bedroom, there was a support beam in the room and There were four doors for your entrance door, the bathroom, the closet, and something else in that room that all opened into each other. And all I could think was, whoever designed this had no idea what they were doing. They had no forethought of what was happening. And clearly, this was somebody who their business was building buildings, right? Like there was some experience there because the building had gotten built, right? There's some experience there. But to your point, the person who's been doing this for 20 years versus the person who's been doing this for one or two or whatever, there's such a big difference. And it changed the whole feeling of that space. Conceptually, that could have been an amazing space. When you walked in, it it absolutely felt wrong because all of a sudden you were just in this field of doors that just kept blocking your way. Yeah. I wish I could say every architect out there cares about these things. <laughs> which is why it's right. You know, you need to find the right one. But I remember, uh, you know, I didn't use a computer until I was 30. I started in high school, like building models and learning to hand draft, right? I hand drafted until I was 30. Then when I had my own business and I was hiring young people, they'd never hand drafted. They'd never built anything. They played on computer games and they had no sense of whether it would work structurally, what it would feel like inside of it. And we had to do a lot of sending them out to the job site. And we, you know, we would tell them, you know, you need to go work with a builder for a year and come back. Like you need to get a sense of what your drawing is going to feel like in reality. And there are definitely architects out there. Some of them are just young. Some of them just simply don't care and never will care. It works structurally. It will stand up and it will be cheap to build. And that's their only focus. And I guess if you're building a big box store, does that matter? Less so than if you're talking about your home. But if you're sitting in a home that you have a bedroom and there's no place to put your bed that you feel comfortable because you haven't thought about the power seat of the bed in a bedroom, you're never going to be comfortable in your bedroom. And there are architects that will never think about that. Absolutely. Okay. So really famous architects who do think about some of these things. One of the things that they think about. I love Scandinavian architecture because in general, Scandinavians, here's what they do. They love to embrace the new and they don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They keep the old traditional ways of working with wood and and their environment in mind, even though they embrace new technologies. And one of the things that a lot of really good architects like this do is they think about what we call fenestration. (laughs) The windows, 
placement of the windows. How's the light coming into your house? And can you see the sunrise and the sunset? And in which room are you seeing the sunset from the bedroom, sunrise from the kitchen? Does that matter to you? How do you live your life? If you're a medical medium person, you live in the kitchen. So does your kitchen need to be open to your living space or do you want it to be separate and private? You know, these are the things that I always would ask my clients. I wanted them to think about. And another thing that drew me to being this, this was the part of architecture that I loved is the opportunity to think about all of these things. And even with energy efficiency and being green, it depends on where in the country you're living. You want to orient your house. So it gets a lot of Southern sun in the winter, in the summer, you want that shaded. So where are trees planted on your property? Are they deciduous trees? Will they allow the sun in in the winter and block the sun in the summer? Your house doesn't end at your walls. (laughs) What environment is it in? Where are your neighbors? So these are all the fun things actually to think about that we often are afraid to think about. I feel like so many times that's not taken into consideration in developments where people buy into. And ever. It makes such a huge difference. Even when we were looking for mom's new house a couple of years ago, we saw so many places where the outdoor space was just overrun by bushes and there was no getting away from that because that was your barrier from a street or something. And it's like, well, this just feels terrible. And what's interesting is when you look around, even the neighborhood we're in, there's some of those houses and it's like, I would never want to live in that house because of how it's oriented and what it backs up to and you know what it faces. And it's so bizarre to me that they would build houses that have that challenge. Well, because the focus is money and time. And that's what you get when that's your goal is money and time. And the fear that if you don't only focus on money and time, that you won't get a financial payback. And it's interesting because there's a few developments that were built in Florida that had more of that community mindset and, beauty and those kinds of things. And they went on the market as well-priced, affordable, and they're now just hard to get into and very expensive because they did take those things into mind. Mm -hmm. And people feel it. There's no question. They might not be able to articulate it, but they absolutely feel it and react to it. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Eileen, this has been so helpful and so educational. I so appreciate you being on. Again, it's nice to have you back and to explore this sort of other part of your life because so many of us in this community, we have so many questions on this topic and we want to do more, but we don't always know how. So thank you for leading us in that direction. You're very welcome. Just love your home, love your space, and it will lead you in the right direction. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope you found this episode as educational and as helpful as I did. Show notes for this episode, episode 77, are available through your podcast provider, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you've followed Quest for Healing, and they're also available on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash podcast. If you're looking for additional support on your own health journey, you can learn more about how we can work together directly by going to my health coaching website at carefullyhealing.com or by finding me on social media on Facebook at Carefully Healing or on Instagram and YouTube at Carefully Healing with Kirsten. Thank you for joining me today on the Quest for Healing podcast. These discussions are not intended to provide medical advice, but rather to give you examples of methods and modalities that you may find interesting, informative, or helpful. Please work with your doctor as you undertake your own health journey. Hey, it's Kirsten. Before I started out on my health journey, I didn't know how poisonous many of the cleaners I used in my home were. Then when I started trying to clean the toxins out of my body, I started to question if the cleaners I was using were just adding back more. And how does that make sense when we're using toxic chemicals to get things clean? So imagine how excited I was when I found non-toxic, fragrance-free, essential oil-free Branch Basics cleaners. Now I use them for many things around my house, including scrubbing my kitchen and bathroom, cleaning my juicer, and as the laundry detergent for cleaning my clothes. 
Plus, it's also the soap that I use to wash my fruit because it's also sodium laurel sulfate free. So check out branchbasics.com. Their starter kits make it so easy to get started and you can use my code carefullyhealing, which is all one word, for 15% off your purchase. And because I always want to be upfront with you, this is an affiliate link, so I will earn a small commission if you buy using my code. But I only recommend this product because I love it and use it myself. So if you're ready to start cleaning your home with a healthier cleaner, go to branchbasics.com. <laughs> 